Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorne and Robbie as your dungeon-occupying story weavers, we wish to help you as players and dungeon masters from the aspiring to the veteran with questions and ideas for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. In this episode, uh, it's kind of going to be a redo episode. If you guys have been with us for a little while, uh, our first 12 episodes didn't have the best audio, uh, and I did not have the best editing skills, uh, so we're redoing a lot of those topics, and this one is going to be all about being a story weaver and how to go about running the game. So uh, the first thing is we could do a round robin like we did last time uh, and do one piece of advice that is super important to each story weaver. So Robbie, what is your number one advice? Oh, first. How exciting. Well, I never go first with anything. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't make it a habit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so I, I guess the best place to start is, um, and my, I guess the best piece of advice to start with is to really, um, to really get yourself organized as a dungeon master. Um, what that means to you is entirely up to you. So some people feel like they're organized with like bullet point notes. Some people like all of their notes and, and stuff about the game to be, con- to be spread out and, already like paragraphed and they have like chapters and chapters of content ready for the game but um, when I say to to be organized for it I mean that make sure you kind of have the gist of what you're going to do down for the game so that way you don't lose a lot of time having to search for things to do um I I'm very much a I'm very much a person who likes to um kind of uh not wing it. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, what is that that thing that people do? Oh, my brain isn't working today. Um, we'll just go with wing it. Um, I'm, I'm talking sorry. about imp- improv. Yeah, there we go. Improvisation. My, I'm sorry. My, I had a minor uh, brain fart right there. Um, but people like to improv, and I, I'm someone who really likes to improv. I like to read off what the players are doing and. Um, and kind of go off a story point, story beats based on what everyone is uh, is telling me and what they've done and like how their character is reacting to things. Um, but I always I always do have like a framework or a skeleton about what what I'm gonna be doing that day. Um, that kind of helps me know what my goals are for the game, like what at, for that day the goals are for the game that day, and kind of make sure that I am. Um, kind of keeping it on track with the story that I've written. Um, not that I don't like side adventures, but I do like to make sure that I that I meet that goal at the end. And like, hey, we're at this point. Um, just because I want to make sure that everyone's time is being spent spent, uh, spent well. And I mean, for casual games that I play, it's never really a concern. But since we're talking about like professional story weaving and like kind of getting into that mindset, um, I, I like to have have that skeleton ready and and that breakdown ready because um people might be only in it for a couple sessions you know like it might be oh we're only doing like 40 sessions together we're only doing like 30 we're only doing like 15 sessions together you know Mm -hmm. um and i want to make sure that everyone's time is spent correctly and that we reach a a relatively 
sensible conclusion by the end of it, you know? Um, For sure, especially if we're using uh, modules, which we can talk about later. Yeah, and I, I also like to have those notes ready because I'm like, hey, mo the monster that I'm the monster that I'm going to use is like this. I like to have all that ready and on hand so that way I'm not searching through it and everyone, and I'm losing that um, that momentum of the game like everyone's kind of like uh, role playing and everyone's getting into character and then those interruptions really separate that uh separates us from the game that we're playing so yeah that's my advice make sure that you kind of have everything uh prepped you know prep is always is always key um so perfect thorn what's your number one advice uh there's really so much uh but the number one, uh, first of all, I'm not organized in any way. Uh, <laughs> my campaigns tend to be hot messes, and I prefer it that way because I'm lazy. Uh, but when it really comes to uh, enjoying enjoying being being the story weaver and 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 getting the campaign going and everything, um, I think one of the the biggest points of advice I could say is have a session zero. Uh, it gives you a chance to know your players. We do a whole episode on this, so I'm not going to go in depth on this right now. Uh, but having a session zero lets you get to know your players, lets you know their expectations, and let them get to know your expect or their expectations of you. Uh, so it's I think it's important in a lot of ways. Uh, you get to put in your hard limits. You get to uh, you know say what what you want out of the game. And it's very important to uh, to be uh, just get to know your players. You want to know your players, right? So, as far as like our group, you know, we know each other. We know each other really well. Uh, we tend to know where our hard lines are. We know all that stuff. So, a lot of the stuff that we do, I mean, we don't we don't necessarily have to have a session zero, but we sure do like to do it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we still do it, so. Yeah. But that's my advice, session zeros. That's That was going to be mine, but I'll have to change my my advice. <laughs> um, so my, my second number one advice <laughs> uh, <laughs> would actually just be to have fun, which sounds kind of like lackluster, but really you have to realize that this is, it is a game. In fact, it's not only just a game, it is a fantasy game where fantasy shit happens. Um, so don't come at me with the physics of why we get 10 D six when we fall from a thousand feet or whatever it is. You know, uh, I think that one of the biggest things that I've encountered as far as upsetting players or upsetting story weavers is just that we take it too damn seriously when we're supposed to be having fun. You cannot, let me say it again, you cannot win Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't fucking happen. Says you. Says you. <laughs> says, says you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that that's, you know, just take it lightly, take it with a grain of salt. Um, and if there is something that bothers you, you know, we'll talk about it a, a little bit more in depth later on in this episode, but having uh, communication uh, and, you know, like Thorne said, with a session zero and, and putting forth your, 
your things that you know for sure you don't want into a game uh, and you know your hard limits and your veils. Um, and, uh, and throughout the rest of each session, if something comes up, uh, making sure that you talk to your uh, your dungeon master or you know your your players we're all supposed to be friends here even if you met just last week on online and you're playing on roll 20 you guys are still supposed to be friendly be kind to each other as thorn said in multiple episodes which is actually a good segue uh and we can talk a little bit uh about session zeros and how to run them as story weavers yeah um... go for it robbie well, I mean, we talk about we talk in depth about session zeros in other episodes, um, but mm-hmm. I mean, the rest of it is, uh, you want to provide your players with a chance to really convey hard hard stop like hard nose like hard stops uh, things that they things that they really don't what they're looking for in a game and what they're not looking for in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, because you want to make sure that everybody is on the same page with it. So, like, you're not going to have a game that takes a lot of commitment, and then um, some people think that it's like it's not it's like not a long term game, and some people are like only in it for like the short term, and that just creates un- unnecessary conflict. So, getting all the expectations out at the beginning really helps with uh, making the game run a lot smoother. And that's session zeros. I feel are are best for it also kind of introduces all these all these different flavors of people to each other so i mean uh it just it makes it easier for everyone to kind of get to know one another get to know the dm get a get a feel for everyone's personalities and um kind of talk talk about and like brainstorm character ideas and stuff session zero doesn't always have to be uh, the start of the campaign like you Mm -hmm. don't have to begin at the end of it you know it could just be everybody kind of getting together, meeting, bouncing ideas off each other and kind of explaining what they're looking for, so. For sure. Thorn? Yeah, I, I was. I would expand on the, the hashing out your character. I mean, that's, to me, that's one of the main reasons for a session zero is to hash out the character a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it lets a player use one of, what could be one of their greatest resources, which is their story weaver, uh, because he knows what's going to happen in that in that uh campaign so he knows uh what to tug on and to be honest to give it gives us as story weavers so many ideas for sure so many plot points plot hooks that if you're describing your backstory and we can tweak it a little bit and uh they uh we can tweak it and then we can maybe make it fit a little bit better for the story and if the player likes it great Mm -hmm. yeah um i think that uh i mean we we've we talked in depth uh, about session zero so i don't want to go too for too much further onto it um check out our episode on session zeros um but you bring up a good point thorn i mean the the dm or slash story weaver has a lot of tools in his tool belt, his or her tool belt. Um, and so we can touch on that a little bit right now is, is the responsibilities of a story weaver. For me, um, I mean, I Thorne and I have played for a long time and we grew up in the age where the story weaver or DM uh, 
hosted the game. He created the game. He sometimes gave the snacks of the game. And it was just, it was a lot for the Dungeon Master. And it, it still is, um, you know, because we're still, as story weavers, we're still creating the game, even if we're using a module. I, nine times out of 10, I say that modules have more prep time than a homebrew game. Because a homebrew game, I can just pull something out of my ass. But a module, you have certain story points that we have to get through. Uh, and that's where Robbie was talking about uh, being more organized and things. If you're running a module and you you want to hit every plot point, you know, like, uh, for example, Curse of Strahd and Dungeons and Dragons, uh, there, there's the murder house and, and we're, you know, the dinner with Strahd and the letter that comes to the party, all these different things that you have to hit. Oh, and the tarot reading. Oh. And the tarot reading. <laughs> it's just different things that you have to, to hit on. Um, so, uh, Robbie, what's, uh, what's one responsibility that you say for, for Story Weavers? Well, Story Weavers are a... If, if you're a Story Weaver and you're, and you're kind of a leader of the game, well, you are, you're leading the game and you're also providing a, uh, a, a space for this like cooperative storytelling. So one of the responsibilities of Story Weaver of a story weaver is um the kind of the i want to say like mama bear but like <laughs> not mama bear of the of the group like you want to make sure that you're you're taking in consideration because these are the people who are looking towards you for for like story points leadership and also making sure that you um are creating a safe space for them so you have to take care of them like they're your they're your group of people you want to make sure that they feel comfortable um that they are that any conflict is is quickly is quickly addressed. You want to make sure that they can speak to you um, as someone who who will um, understand them and as somebody who will also help them feel more comfortable at the table. So yeah, you're you're a mama bear, or you know if you want to be like a regular bear, a grizzly bear. I mean, papa bear. I don't know other maternal paternal figures. <laughs> it's okay, Robbie. We know you like bears. I do. I do like we bears. Got we got I, that. I really we do. Got that. Yeah. <laughs> Not mama bears, though, but I do like bears. <laughs> no, I mean, really, a lot of it, a lot of things fall to the, the, to the store weaver um, and their responsibility, it, to, especially because, like you said, like you referred to earlier, I come from a time when the DM or store weaver, they supplied everything. Right. So if, if I'm running a game, I want to supply a place. I want to supply uh, the food. I want to do everything because that's the way it was when I was doing it. Right. Uh, so it's it's hard for me to, like nowadays, there's places that you can go. They've got the, the game shops where they have rooms where you can rent or just sign up for and have a place uh, to play at or houses, people's houses, even though in the pandemic, a lot of that stopped and a lot more shifted towards Zoom and other meeting software, which I, I actually absolutely love because it, it takes a lot of a pressure off of having to drive somewhere to meet people. Oh, for sure. So don't knock Zoom. Zoom and, and other programs like this, are, is, are they're amazing for, for any kind of D&D because it makes it very simple to play. That's what we did uh, all through COVID. But, oh, yeah. I mean, we did. And it was every day for a while. <laughs> but 
what I can say, it, it, it kind of mirrors what Robbie says, is you have, even with Zoom, and I know it's harder through this, is to read the cues, the body cues of comfort, of mm-hmm. any more um, people can be slow to tell you when they're not comfortable. Yeah. So just reading uh, faces and, the, and body posture is a huge part of it. But it's, and it's, it's on you. I mean, it's because some people, they're going to be too shy to say it. They don't want to rock the boat. It's on you to notice this stuff. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it might not be fair to ask, but if you're, if you care about your group, if you know who you're playing with and you care about your group, you're going to notice this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, even for people who, who say that they, can't read body languages and, and facial expressions you know there's the, there's different reasons why um but there's uh something that got touched on in another episode that was recorded um about having an advocate for your table um and so if you if you as a story weaver aren't comfortable with being that person that uh has to pay attention to emotions and, and things at least um, um, get somebody to be an advocate for the party and for you as well. If there's, because that's one thing that uh, we say a lot is that the dungeon master has to take care of themselves too. Um, And so, I mean, just make sure that if you have a hard line and a player crosses that, if it wasn't communicated in the session zero, communicate it now. Uh, And then move on from there uh, it's it's uh if if you're not having fun you need to either leave the table or have somebody um leave the table for you i, I understand that it, but the, the biggest thing out of all of it is communication and that's yes. that's not just in gaming that's in life in general communication is key yes and if you're not approachable you have to find a way to be approachable. That's that's a that's a hard thing, and mm-hmm. with the whole thing about an advocate for the group, pick the most boisterous. Pick the person that's just not scared of anything. Right. I mean, if that's what you need to get your point across, then do it. But communication is key. Definitely, and one of the best parts about um, being a story weaver and uh, for for any role-playing game uh, being like a group effort, like a group storytelling thing is that we can totally modernize it. Like it's um, instead of, uh, there's different ways to run run your table, but you could always do roles. Um, Since these people are supposed to be, uh, since you all are working together to to tell the story, you could always assign roles to different people at the table. Like say you're not the loudest one, you could always ask one of the players to like, like Thorne said, and uh, Illidine about like having an advocate, somebody who uh, talks to, who is much more, um, has is much better at conversating than you are. Like if you're not, if you're not very good at conversating with the, with a lot of people, that's okay. You can assign that, you mm-hmm. can assign someone the role of advocate and they can kind of bring together everybody's like concerns or compliments. And like, it's just like a communication between you and, and the group you're running. You could always have, you always assign these roles to different people at the table since it is a team effort, you know? 
Um, and that's that's one of the beautiful things about it because you're all technically supposed to be mm -hmm. friends and like um, even if you're not friends you all are supposed to be working together and so if you all pull together and like assign roles tell people hey you know um, can you do you think you can keep track of that or do you think you could do this and like you the you can take a lot of weight off of you as a story weaver and can really focus on the beautiful things of story weaving like you know telling the story yeah for sure and i i think going off of that about teamwork is that as a story weaver we have to realize that we are facilitators that's that's why we call ourselves story weavers instead of dungeon masters or game masters and things or storyteller it's because we have whatever three to six or to uh, apparently 14 people uh, playing on on one table and creating the story um we we have this this story that yes the story weaver has come up with the main quest but as soon as somebody makes a decision it's not it's not my story anymore i i no longer have this story i'm facilitating for the for everyone else and letting the dice gods discern what is happening i can set dcs but if you if you are the type of person that um is oh i, I want to win D, D, the story weaver is the only one that can realistically win D, D because oh there's two tarasks there you go like that's yeah. that's shitty <laughs> but the thing is is in a, and i can't remember where i heard this and it might have been from christian the, the other night uh this is a game of cooperative storytelling yes so it's not the the story weaver sets the stage he puts you in in the position he, he leads through certain things, but a lot of it's up to the players too. Mm -hmm. So it, it's cooperative. And the more you are entrenched in the story, the more that, the closer that you are to your character mm -hmm. and you're in that mood and you're, you're playing that, that person, that, that character and when the storytelling starts and it just it becomes almost like an like story weaving i mean you're just you're putting this story together with the help of this group of people and the main goal overall is just to have a good time absolutely i mean it's beautiful it really is all in all running a very um running being the story weaver and kind of running the table um puts you in the chair to to really be like you you are the you are the leader of of the group and like like uh Illidine said you're the facilitator um you can assign roles and you have ultimate uh you kind of have final say on a lot of on a lot of things but just remember that you're not by yourself like it seems like a daunting task because you think that you are a it seems like a daunting task because a lot of people think that they're put into the leadership role and it's all on them. But I mean, it it's it's not like that. Um, it's like mm -hmm. it's like we've said, it's a team, it's a team effort. And it's even when it comes to like supplies and sex, you are not the fine, you're not the person who is responsible for everyone having the things that they need to play. You're not responsible for dice, you're not responsible for snacks. Um, each of us, uh, each of us has to, um, 
really everyone playing playing with you or, or telling the story with you has to uh has to be able to bring in a little something so don't be scared promise it's it's not as scary as it sounds mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it really, it really isn't uh and and back to some more practical things uh as a story weaver especially in session zeros and in, and when people are coming to you about their character ideas and stuff like that and i'm i have to work really hard on this because it's it's certain things really bug me but you have to keep an open mind when it comes to uh character ideas and themes of their characters you know i'm talking you know guns i mean that's that's in the world i i don't like it i think it's ridiculous it bugs bugs me bugs me so bad but if they have a really good character idea and they have mm -hmm. something real that's backing it up you have to keep an open mind about it that doesn't mean you have to let them run wild you know you could put some hard stops on it and it just isn't possible but you, you have to keep an open mind because if you're not open-minded about it, your characters might not, ha your your players might not have a good time. Yeah, for sure. And but, I mean, going off of the off of the the cool characters and and the guns in high fantasy, if you if you have a high fantasy game, letting your players know ahead of time that hey, this is high fantasy. I don't necessarily want all the steampunk stuff and the artificer stuff you know there's there is a way to play artificer in high fantasy don't get me wrong but if all you want are flintlocks that's probably not the game for you and that's okay it's totally fine to to try and a di different one even within groups of friends we have a friend that really likes uh artificers and steampunk stuff and you know i i created a high fantasy campaign and he threw out a bunch of ideas and i said yes but no on a lot of those things because it was there was just a lot of reskinning you know because like there the artificer pdf that he showed me was like oh i could build the tank and i was like well there's no tanks in this game uh but i was okay with him finding a technology about warforged and special uh uh, mechanics and servitors and things like that that he could make some things a little bit more uh, more high fantasy but still used the stats of of whatever the thing was in the pdf and so it was a little bit of a a, a push and pull uh and cooperation and hey communication uh between everybody to have those things exist let's see um let's when talking about um like homebrew and stuff as you're you're mentioning and letting and having these things uh kind of exist in the world um i uh i'm not the best person to speak to because I, I really i really like mixing genre between high high fantasy and like technology so when thorn was like thorn was like oh i really don't like guns and i was i was like well i love guns but not um i i i like twisting it a little bit but i mean like like little dean was saying it's it really just depends on what kind of campaign setting that you're running um and what you're um making sure to set those expectations especially in a session zero um setting and being like hey we're running high fantasy and like do not uh 
we're not um we're not having like technology like for my Ugrowth campaign uh i set these expectations early like um i i run a game uh i run a game where the where the cold doesn't exist and setting those expectations for everybody and telling hey so no ice no freezing spells like um uh nothing there's certain uh aspects of high fantasy that, that aren't going to be um involved in this and it's just getting that okay from everyone having everyone understand we're on the same page with everything and just making sure that that's expectations set early for so there's no surprises yeah for sure and you know going off of of what we've all said about uh communicating and teamwork and things the next thing that we could really talk about is character death um as story weavers we have a responsibility that if we're going to have a character death it can't be for nothing and it has to at least have some kind of cool factor to it um because as a player if i'm sitting there and my character dies because i rolled five nat ones to try petting a dog uh which is a horror story that i read on reddit the other day i'm i'm not gonna be happy <laughs> um but if it's you know some kind of huge battle and you're able to make it more dramatic then my character death seems cool and i'm totally fine with it and i'll just roll another character because i know not to take my character death seriously call back to another episode that we talked about <laughs> i've always been and everybody everybody i play with knows that i actually like character death mm -hmm. uh the main reason being is because it adds drama absolutely if, if there's the chance that my character is going to die, it adds drama. But I did read something the other day, uh, it, and it was on Reddit, uh, about uh, making deaths count in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. So it was like, if it's a sorcerer, let them cast one huge spell with their death. Or, you know, certain things like that that you can roll out. And I think there was even a table on there that they put in there on different classes and and races what you can do with your death no, nice. and i thought that was a really interesting idea um it adds a little bit of uh like you said it makes the death count right and it, it adds that extra bit of drama and i'm all about the drama i love drama and dnd not so much in life <laughs> it, it makes it it makes it so much fun <laughs> you don't want no what do drama you think about <laughs> what, what do you think about character death Robbie? well character death has always been um not a sore point for me but a difficult thing for me to accomplish usually with with my games because i hate i hate killing players as much as i love to torture them i really don't like killing them um but uh character death i i believe it should always add something to the game um i i also am of the belief that character death should exist in your game. Um, I know I've met some some story weavers who are who have told me, oh, I don't like, I don't have character death in my game. And it's just, I feel like that takes away the the stakes, you know, like, Absolutely. like you, you want character death is it allows for there to be like you're you're doing this and there's a stake in it. Like you're you're you could die. Like this is dangerous. Like you know you're fighting the fighting the big bad and i mean there's a possibility you could die like i mean that's part of the fun of the game as well like you're you're going in and um you know the that they're 
could be serious consequences for them, but you're doing it because you're a hero or a villain. Um, so I, I like having it as an option in my game. I'm also of the belief that it should be, it should be a moment of, of drama as well, like either sad or explosive. So, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. So. For sure. I mean, and as, mu- as much as I like character death in, in my campaigns, I don't like to kill people because I'd much rather torture them. So <laughs> Obviously, <much>. it's a <laughs> lot more fun that way. <laughs> it is. And, and, but I did, I read this other uh, thing, of course, it was on Reddit again. And it was a guy that had been playing since the 80s, like me. And he had, I mean, he had played with a group of friends for 20 years in second edition. Mm hmm. God, in just in second edition? Just in second edition. Yeah, rough. And he he stopped for like six years and started getting back into it and wrote a a, a module and everything. Oh wow. And he was he went to test play it with some people on, I think it was Roll Twenty or something. Mm-hmm. And he was so disappointed because mm. he he said that it felt like everybody had everybody's all cartoony now with their characters and you know they picture them in you know an anime and just they all goody goody and nobody dies and everybody just has fun and he was so frustrated because he played back in the day when it was all about life and death Mm -hmm. and it was it, it just it struck me as as odd because yeah i do play with a wide range of people yeah uh and there is players that we play with that don't like death. Yeah. And they don't want their characters to die. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of keeping an open mind about it. I am very old school when it happens. And I, I don't mind it. I actually kind of like it when it's my character is dying. Because mm-hmm. I want to see everybody else's reaction. That's what we because always go for. Are, <laughs> yeah. If people hurt because my character died, it means I did a great job playing them. Yeah, because that makes me feel good. But as a story weaver, um, it, it just all goes back to knowing your characters, communication, just to everything. You mm-hmm. have to try to make this this game because no matter what anybody says, no matter how serious or how lighthearted you are, it's a game. Yeah, and you have to have fun. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we kind of touch on it's a game and have fun on almost every one of our points uh, here, but especially with with character death and, um, like, this, this gentleman that you uh, read an article about, um, if you're getting frustrated with your players, you have to communicate that to them out of game. It does not necessarily have to be that same day take a night, chill, whatever, and then talk and tell them like, hey, you know, I was kind of hoping that this game or this campaign would go in this direction. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Is it something that, you know, I need to change my thought process on or or what? Because if you do have a group of people that like, I mean, we play with a, a huge mix of people. Mm-hmm. Some people like the happy-go-lucky uh, and I've created a one-on-one uh, for one of those players. Um, and you know, we've, we've played uh, a noir campaign. We've played a really high stakes God war campaign. 
Um, and I think that, you know, if, if you're not having fun or if you're saying, man, I really wish that my character or, you know, my players would have done this first, you, you can't control your players. There's no amount of railroading that will get you to that point of controlling your players, because then you're just writing a story. You might as well just write a novel. And that's fine. If that's what you want and you want to dictate the story, get into writing. But for this, for tabletop, any, any tabletop RPG, you're doing a collaborative story. And so I think that, that us communicating and uh, not taking things uh, to heart, you know, it's not about, it's not about you. It's not about the other players uh, in, in that, the person themselves. It's about the characters that are going through your story. There's hopefully you're not at a table where there's somebody going, Hey, let's just fuck with the DM all the time. Let's really piss him or her off. Like if you're in that kind of campaign, get yourself out. That's, that's my two bits. Um, and we're coming up on time. Uh, so closing thoughts, uh, we'll go around the room. Uh, Thorne, you take it first. Now, one thing we, we, we didn't get to touch on really this time was, was railroading. And True. my closing thoughts on, on with that is nobody really likes to be railroading. Uh, so if you find yourself pushing your players towards certain things because they're missing them, don't. <laughs> it's not against you. It doesn't mean they don't like your story. And it's disappointing when they don't hit those nice little plot points. But nobody likes to be pushed around. Uh, it just comes down to keeping an open line of communication with your players. And, I mean, honestly, just let them roam. Let them do them. And I promise you, your plot points will come up sooner or later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be chill about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, as far as railroading and sandboxing goes, um, there is a point where sandboxing can get too crazy, but there's also a point where sandboxing could be a style of railroading. Uh, because when I created uh, arc one of our campaign that we play, uh, that we've played, um, it went for a year and a half, just arc one. Um, and almost playing every day because this was our COVID baby. And we, when we played, I told everybody from the very first session, I gave a plot hook that in two years game time, there's going to be a ritual that is going to create to start a God war. Do what you want with it. And then everything else they did. They went off to all the other cities on the continent and formed alliances. They formed enemies in certain cities. You know, I didn't really facilitate all the steps A to Z. I said, here's the A and there's the Z. Roll the dice, go for it. And so that's, I think that that's my closing thought is if you do, if you have this idea for a story, set the bullet points and let them connect the dots wherever they want to. Exactly. Exactly. Um, my closing statement is, I know I touched on it earlier, but really um, taking a deep breath and like, and um, kind of keep making sure that you have a lot of self-care when it comes to story weaving, because you do have a lot, it does feel like you have a lot of responsibility. And I do know, I meet a lot of people who are like, I don't really want to be 
the story weaver for my game because you know it's a lot it's a lot of responsibility I don't want people to be angry at me I feel like I don't I don't feel like a leader and that's fine I mean if you truly feel that you don't want to approach it and it's just not for you it doesn't have to be but I do know a lot of people that have wanted to try it and they're just really turned off by the idea because they're worried that they have concerns or they have a lot of anxiety about it and for those that feel a lot of anxiety about it, I'm just, just take a deep breath and um, think about what you want to do as a game. Gather some of your closest friends and really sit down and just, you know, small campaign, one shot, work through it together and then grow from there. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be a grand thing. You don't have to open up your first DM, your first your first story weaving game does not have to be like a long-term game with like tons of players and like, um, tons of extravagant things going on you can start small like a village or something some uh, one tiny stake like something got lost three players you know some of your closest friends who really support you and walk them through it and until you feel more comfortable with the content and what you're doing you know it doesn't you don't have to start big you know yeah for sure and I mean going just off of that real quick is you know, if you start with the city, it can be that small one shot. Or if you, in the case of Baldur's Gate, you could literally have an entire campaign module in Baldur's Gate. There's so many things that you can put into a town. So you could start small. And as your players get more confident playing, or as you get more confident story weaving, you can add more things to that town. And eventually you can make a, a epic campaign if you so choose but there's nothing wrong with just doing a whole bunch of one shots hey this sounds fun for halloween let's do this hey this sounds fun for christmas let's do this there's nothing wrong with any of those um well that i mean if you look at it, that's basically what forrest did yeah i mean he, he took the those series of one shots and turned it into a really interesting campaign yeah. oh yeah for sure and all he did was you know like i said it was a, it, it was actually a noir-esque uh campaign genre but he just took a bunch of one shots that fit that and then added and made, put them together. And the only thing that really made it a quote unquote story arc or a quote unquote campaign was the fact that we didn't change characters. It was just the same people throughout the whole thing. And he had a few choice people that he created later on that became the main whatever quest givers and stuff like that. Uh, but with that, um, there is a, a closing message. Uh, at the end of the, the podcast, if you uh, would like to listen to that. Uh, but if there's anything that we missed uh, today, or if there's something that you guys want to uh, talk about or us to talk about, uh, shoot us an email at it's the name of the podcast. This dungeon is occupied podcast at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us an email and we will uh, talk about it in one of the, the coming episodes, or we may even uh, get you on or read your story on uh, the, the next episode or something. So just shoot us an email. Uh, and with that, remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied. Hey y'all, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did consider giving us a like, a follow or a review, which all go a long way into helping us continue to grow. If you liked this content a lot and want more of it, consider supporting us by joining our Patreon, where you can get exclusive content like NPCs of the Week, Towns of the Month, and access to our Discord server. 
If you can't join for whatever the reason, we definitely get it, but you can still help us by telling your friends about us. They can listen to us now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, Amazon Music slash Audible, Podbean, and even Facebook. We thank you all ever so much for listening. Good luck with your games out there, steal everything, and have fun.